0: So today, I'm really excited to have Tim Schmidbauer joining me on the show. I was originally introduced to Tim when one of our customers uh, from Sendable suggested I check out Tim's company, Analytics, uh, which is a LinkedIn analytics tool for personal profiles. Tim, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Gavin, for having me today. Very, It's a, it's a pleasure, really.
0: So Tim, could you share your background and what led you to starting Analytics?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so maybe let's start with my background real quick. So I was doing, you know, for the last... Maybe two and a half years, I was doing um, traction marketing. And in other words, I was doing validation campaigns for companies. I was working at Hatchery and Hatchery is is kind of an agency or an agency and company builder. So what we did is we validated new business ideas, new venture ideas for companies like, for example, Mercedes-Benz, also Coca-Cola, but also smaller uh, companies and individuals. And so what what I was doing there is basically find out if a product has demand on the market. And so the question is always, like these people or these companies, these these uh, companies are coming to us and say, "Hey, uh, I have a great idea. This is going to revolutionize the, the world." And I don't know, I have a new beverage idea, or I have a new SaaS idea, and people are very enthusiastic about their product and idea. And I, I absolutely love that. But on the other hand, you have to find out if this is something that people actually need. And so this, what this is, what I did, I helped them to to gain traction in the beginning. And also to to help them validate these critical assumptions um, as fast as possible. Some of the things that we did is actually we launched paid ad campaigns. Um, we did also like kind of growth hacking, you, you would call it, um, to find out if people like it, conduct a lot of customer interviews, talk with people, very, very important stuff. Like in the beginning, you have to talk with people. You have to, you know, talk to this to this audience that is going to use your product. Well, so after that, I was working for a coffee company as head of growth, doing exactly the same thing and introduced a growth lab where we, you know, basically made a lot of growth experiments in a, in a structured way, uh, validating hypothesis, testing different channels and, and you know, look what sticks, basically, and then doing this in a more um, specific way. And so while doing all of that, um, in in parallel, this was basically a side project in 2020 together with a partner of mine. We started analytics. And this was at first like a side project, something we would love to see. So this is how all good ideas um, or all good ideas start. And so we did this. We built a very, very rough prototype um, because we want to analyze our private profile when you are active on LinkedIn, you see there's, there's not much data, um, on the platform and actually not, not much information and, and actual insights that you can get from, from LinkedIn. And so what we did is we built this rough prototype, put it out there, developed on the sidetrack and suddenly people were starting to sign up. And this was a crazy moment. Like the first 10 users, we didn't pronounce, uh, um, put it out there. We didn't, um, you know, post it on LinkedIn or anywhere. So the only thing that we did is I told a friend of mine. This is a good friend of mine. He's he's like a kind of a small tool influencer, and he was sharing this tool with others because he found it very cool. This is like kind of a cool idea, and he was you know in love with the tool with the with the vision that we had of building a LinkedIn analytics tool that you know automatically pulls insights from LinkedIn and then uh, you know gives it back to you. And so he was spreading news, and suddenly we have ten users, fifty users, one hundred users, and I was like, hey, this is crazy. I mean, we we didn't expect it to go. Like this, this kind of fast like within a, a couple of weeks. I mean, maybe a month or two. We had 100 users on the platform, and so when we started to actually introducing, you know, paid plans, um, yes, there were a couple of people that were signing up for this for this plan. However, you know, a lot of people were staying and sticking on the free plan, and so this is also you know a strategy. And maybe you can talk about that, like the strategy of having a freemium model in the beginning. This was um, for us a big opportunity. Since in, in in the market segment that we are in, there is there are not many competitors in terms of like LinkedIn analytics for personal profiles. And so what we what we saw in, um, in in this market is really like giving people access to more advanced analytics, things that they can use freely to optimize their profile appearance, their content, and also their their relevance for their audience. And so. This is maybe also an unscalable growth hack or maybe it's scalable, I don't know. But uh, having a freemium model for for people to really see and feel like the value of the product at first before purchasing is, for me personally, it's a huge deal because I want to feel if this is something I can work with. Um, I always feel if I have a look at at other tools that have like a CC credit card required and stuff like that, you have to commit. You really have to commit. And yes, this qualifies leads 100%. But at the same time, um, we thought about it like this, put out free content for, let, let, let's say, a free tool that people can use to, to start working with. And if they feel like they need more, they can upgrade. And so when we did this, launching um, 2021 with the, um, um, with the first paid plans, there were a bunch of people, maybe 10, 20, that were signing up immediately to our paid plans. And from there on, you know, we, we got more and more traction.
0: It's funny what you're saying about kind of having sort of a free plan. Uh, because, like, right now, there's like so much choice out there, right? Especially in SaaS, so many products doing the same thing. And if you can, I, I think, I think you have to give a taster for free with like like no friction at all for them to actually get the value of the product. And then from there, you can build the trust and then kind of offer them a pay plan once they see the value. Um, so, like at, at Sendable, we actually had the, the credit card page straight off the sign up form, so you had to put your credit card details in before you even got to use the product, which is really affecting our conversion rates like crazy until we changed it. I think a couple of years ago. And suddenly our conversion rates went, went way up because people started trusting the product. They actually started, you know, like using it a bit before they put their credit card details in. And our, our churn rate went way down. You know, we, we had like this very high short-term churn when they would kind of sign up, forget about the credit card details, get charged and then cancel and ask for a refund. But I agree with you. Yeah. I think definitely having that, that sort of freemium model is, is the way to go these days. Um, so you're in a, in a very crowded market that I know very well. Obviously social media with so many larger uh, players out there, uh, but you've picked a niche. So you're kind of focusing on LinkedIn. How important was it for your success to focus on on just LinkedIn?
1: I would say it is or was very important to focus on exactly this niche because um, let's start this way. We focus on a very specific pain point. And the pain point is that people, they want to, to have more insights on LinkedIn available. So we have two customer segments, basically. First of all, individuals that are using our platform. And uh, secondly, B2B clients like agencies and teams. And these teams, they really, they struggle because what they do is they measure their content performance for reporting purposes, but also for, um, you know, to improve their kind of performance by, um, you know, by hand. They do it by hand. They have an Excel list and it will, you know, go through LinkedIn once a week or once every two days and pull the data out to find out what works, like what kind of content is resonating with an audience, what, what kind of content drives engagement? And the individuals do basically the same thing. And this is very, very time consuming. So what our solution basically does best is to help you to first of all find these insights faster and get more insights at the same time. So let's let's say the engagement rate and stuff like that, we calculate that. We give you like the, the correlations between the data. So um, what kind of content did in fact work out for you. And what kind of audience did you, you uh, reach out to? Because it's also something like you can reach out to, um, let's say, these marketing professionals that we talked about earlier, or you can uh, target a completely different audience. And it doesn't really help you because you, you want to reach out to marketing professionals or sales professionals, whatever it is. And so I think focusing on exactly this pain point and doing that, um, you know, did help us a lot. Because if we would go ahead and you know be a social, another social media platform, you know, we wouldn't be relevant to anyone. Somebody would come to our website and say, hey, well, this is a social media tool, but what does this tool do? They would compare it to Buffer Hootsuit, to to, you know, to, to much bigger players. So I think it's oftentimes the, the key to success, I would say, in the, in the beginning, it's not only for SaaS, it's for everything, to have something that you're very, very specific. It's very specific, solve one pain at a time, and then move on to the next pain. And so this is also what we did at, at Hatch. We, we it identified um the, the the really the the pain points that were hurting so bad that they they need to get fixed and if you can provide a solution for that and people are willing to pay this is the ultimate form of validation then i guess you have found product
0: market fit yeah i mean from all the other interviews i've done with like early stage founders it's a very common thread to focus on a niche really understand the customer well and build something that solves their need because even for me like when i started sendable like we were all things to all businesses you know we were targeting any smb And the minute we kind of focused on just agencies and understanding them better was the minute we really started to scale and grow. So I totally agree with you. I think it's the way forward, especially if you bootstrapped and you're trying to kind of build build traction. Yeah.
1: Actually, we found a niche in our niche. (laughs) (laughs) So we started with, um, well, LinkedIn analytics for individuals. Now we are moving on to LinkedIn analytics for individuals and, and also teams. Like And teams is even more specific in that area because what teams do, they have maybe five people in the in the in the sales team, okay, and so measuring the kind of performance of each of them is also like these are also individuals, but measuring the kind of performance of them is like an even bigger pain. You know, if you look at one profile at a time, okay, you you can track that. It's still very very you know time consuming, but at the same time, if you do that for five, six, seven uh, people, this is you know an, an undoable task, and uh, that that gets out of hand real quick. So agencies and teams is a niche within a niche that makes it even more specific that it uh, helped us to you know, grow, not our user numbers, but our revenue pretty significantly in the last months.
0: Cool. Um, can you share sort of a growth tactic that you've used uh, to help you sort of get traction? I know you've only been going for a few, few months or, you know, uh, any, any tactics, tactics you can share with the listeners that you could um, just help them understand how you, how you were able to get traction so quickly.
1: I mean, I think there are a lot of factors involved in scaling and, One of the things I would like to talk about is, you know, maybe we have to start about um, dividing two things. Like there are long-term strategies and there are short-term strategies. So for long-term strategies, we have, for example, our um, our blog is a long-term traction strategy. A lot of our traction, a lot of our signups, a lot of our users come actually from SEO, from our blog. This is our main source of traffic. On the other hand, waiting one year to get traffic Roughly, uh, with with blog posts is not an option <laughs> for many people because you want to prove your critical hypo- uh, hypothesis as soon as possible. And so what we did is, and this is, this might not sound very spectacular, but we talked with a lot of people. We we did customer interviews, and also um, I talked to, uh, with a lot of lot of my friends actually that were sharing the tool on social media. And so we were getting the first I don't know 10, 15, 100 users. And these users, and this is very important. What I did with these users is I customly onboarded them. Most of them, I talked with them. I had a like a Google Meet session set up, and I talked about um, about uh, like how is the product feeling, uh, what do you love, what do you hate, and, and so this was very, very crucial for building out the product. And this is actually our foundation. One of our attraction foundation is the product because if you look at it uh, this way, if you have a product that sucks, nobody's gonna recommend it. <clears throat> Not going to get any promoters. And we didn't have any marketing um, options. We didn't have any any uh, you know cash in the bank to promote the product on Facebook or Google or whatever. So we, we did rely really on word of mouth and long-term on SEO. Um, so word of mouth is a huge thing. Um, what I did is actually I talked with, with these people. I introduced them to the product. And also I've really found out what, um, what drives them. So what kind of features did they're looking at. Um, What do love and hate. This was one thing. And the second thing is, and this is something I can share a little more information about, is Unsplash. Unsplash is a little bit in between a long-term strategy and a short-term strategy. For the people that don't know Unsplash, I will explain it quickly. Unsplash is a platform or image-based platform like Instagram, but just without a community feature, it is kind of a, I would say, stock platform for images. And you can download free assets, from the platform. And I have to share this information with you because I'm a photographer myself. So I love to shoot. I love to, you know, I'm a creative guy. And I, I was active um, on Unsplash for a long time, you know, downloading images, uploading images myself and sharing it with the community, giving something back. And, and then I suddenly, you know, started noticing something. There are companies like, for example, Hubble. They, they make contact lenses. And I found that by chance. I don't wear contact lenses. I don't wear uh, glasses at all. but that really catch my eye because this was something I was looking at. Every time I opened my feed in um, Unsplash, I, I saw these these contact lenses and I saw their name on the, on the packaging. I said, hey, this is crazy. I mean, on Unsplash, millions of people each day visit this, this site to download free assets, to download visual content. Mm-hmm. And I thought like, hey, this is crazy. I have to try this with analytics. I mean, well, yeah, I think it's not going to work. Uh, maybe I waste a, 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 some time with this. Doing images and stuff like that, but you know, I don't care. I'm going to try it, and so I did. And it really surprised me. So, so what we did is we uploaded a few images, maybe five, ten images in the beginning, and these were all LinkedIn-based or LinkedIn-themed images. So let's say an office desk with a LinkedIn logo um, on a MacBook and stuff like that, like really, really basic stuff. People are things that people can use on their website, on their personal projects, but also on social media. And it really surprised me because. We, we hit a nerve again, once again. And so after a couple of weeks or month, we got millions of impressions coming in from Unsplash. And impressions is like just somebody viewed your image, but also thousands of downloads of these images. And I was, you know, you, you know the feature of reverse searching on Google?
0: Oh yes, yeah, yeah.
1: So I was doing a reverse image search for one of our images. And I suddenly found out that, I don't know, 20, 50 Websites were using our um, images, oh, wow. and obviously <laughs> some of these images there were like a little logo attached, like from from our company. And this is not like huge, but what is huge is these people link back to our page, to our Unsplash page. And so more and more people started to downloading our images, and this is like an evergreen, basically, because once you have set up these images, they are going to be used all time. Like there is no there is no like no, no, no trend curve. For some for some images there is, but for for our images there wasn't a trend curve. People were using it on social media, sharing it uh, on websites. Actually, at some point, we found out that Red was using our uh, um, image on their website, linking back to Unsplash. And actually, accidentally, um, there was a, um, an, an introduction on LinkedIn from from someone that found us by chance on LinkedIn, was purchasing our product, was referring it. So this was the moment when it really you know got to me. Like this is this is great. I mean. I haven't seen anybody do it in a SARS market yet. And I mean, this is an untouched opportunity, in my opinion, because visual marketing this is free content that people are willing to spread on the internet for free. And it's, it's your brand that they're spreading, that they're talking about, they're linking back. So this is, I mean, this is, a, this is a huge opportunity, in my opinion.
0: Just a quick question. So you mentioned that obviously you're linking back to your Unsplash profile or to the, the link on Unsplash. How does that benefit you if, if it's on Splash, if it's on Unsplash? Is that because your profile is more visible on Unsplash if there's more links coming back or more usage? How does that all work?
1: There are two things to consider. The first first thing is, yes, they're linking back to Unsplash and not to our website most of the times, but someone did actually link to our website. What we did is the name on Unsplash is analytics.io, LinkedIn analytics tool. So also our keywords are attached. So every time this information is, you know, used on a website, our, let's say they're, they're writing about LinkedIn and, you know, I don't know, some, some LinkedIn related stuff. Our name will be in relation to this article. So this is one thing to consider. The second thing is on Unsplash, obviously there's a link to our, to our webpage. So when, when people um, that are reading this content will see, Hey, this image is by analytics IO, LinkedIn analytics tool, they might click on it. And this happened, you know, a lot of times. that people were clicking on this this Unsplash link, coming back to our um, Unsplash page, and then from there um, having a look at least on our website. And this is how we got also a lot of users by just accidentally clicking and just checking it out because they found, hey, this is this might be relevant. All of these people that are searching for uh, LinkedIn themed content are possible users of ours. So this is this is a great thing. This, these are relevant users, and um, yeah, well, this is this is the answer.
0: And um, uh, so you, you said something about uh, visual marketing, maybe the new meta for SaaS companies. Could you explain the role that you think visual marketing can play for SaaS?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So um, I think for SaaS companies, this is mainly, I think, an untouched opportunity. For many people, many people haven't thought about this yet. So I was talking with a few people, and, and you know, I shared the success because I was hyped about Unsplash at that point. So hey, have a look at the results. Like we have a, a lot of impressions here, and also a lot of downloads. Uh, we were at that point listed on thousands of websites with our images, and they said, "Hey, well, okay, this is kind of crazy, but uh, I haven't thought about this yet." So we're putting out content, yeah, well, on Instagram, we put content on, on LinkedIn and Twitter, whatever. But really, to you know, focusing on putting out free images, branded images, possibly this is not something that I haven't or that, that I have seen um, from a lot of companies. And but for for, for some like Hubble, um, they they did it very successfully on Unsplash, and I found it by chance. And there are a lot of other opportunities or, or other companies in the e-commerce space that also did it, like surfboards, bikes, whatever. I know their names now. I haven't um, you know Googled them or stuff like that, but. I know their names. And so this is also one more touch point that you add to our customer journey. So this is a free one. And it's, it's pretty much relatively low effort. But obviously, you have to put out great content. You have to put out great images that people can use. So just <clears throat> taking photos with your, with your new iPhone doesn't, doesn't uh, do it, um, I guess. But you have to um, think about the opportunity that lays ahead. So I think this could become a new meta strategy for SaaS companies at some point or also e-commerce companies.
0: What you were saying now about taking great photos, I'm sure a lot of founders listening will think that it's obviously difficult if you aren't a good photographer. Do you have any advice for sort of quick hacks on taking good photos that will perform well on Unsplash?
1: Um, what I've found is, or what works pretty well, is things like that you can use a, as a background, for example, um, simple images. Um, for example, if you, if you Google LinkedIn on Unsplash, you will find there's also 3D rendering, This is also allowed by now. This is a great opportunity if you uh, are into 3D rendering or have somebody that can do this for you. You can do like a logo of, I don't know, the platform you're working with. I don't know. There are a lot of opportunities, but clean, simple photos that can be used anywhere uh, usually are very effective. Um, For us, it worked pretty well to have like, we had a white wall with LinkedIn on the wall. This was something that was spread thousands of times on the internet and also on social media. And a white desk with just a MacBook on it and like a LinkedIn logo beside it. This was working crazily good. So there are a lot of things that you can do, but you have to. Um, it is dependent on your niche. So let's say if you're selling surfing and uh, surfing bots just in the e-commerce space. But let's say if you're selling, I don't know. Give me a good example of a good SaaS company that we can find images for.
0: Um, maybe setting like a chatbot sort of tool.
1: A chatbot. This is a good question. So for chatbot, it, it wouldn't be that easy, maybe. But let's say, what could people search for on Unsplash? They could search for maybe maybe they they search for a chatbot, and maybe you, you just show your chatbot. Like this is also possible. Make a screenshot of your Mac, or maybe put it on a white desk, put your MacBook on it, and have your website open with a chatbot, and just screenshot it from from uh, different providers. This could also be something. Yeah, why not?
0: And just could you walk me, th- like walk me through the process of, maybe for a founder, <clears throat> who's just trying to get into visual marketing, wants to kind of try using unsplash now, where do you actually start? Like, how do you find like the search terms that perform well? How do you find, like, can you find similar images that are doing well and try copy those? Like, what, what's, the, what's the best way to get started?
1: Um, I think a good way to get started, actually, I have to admit, I didn't do any research, before posting a first image on Unsplash, I just did it. But at the same time, you're able to see the impressions from each image that you view on Unsplash, and also the downloads. So a good option could be to just type in, for example, LinkedIn on Unsplash, see what comes up. And one of the first things that you see, like the, the, the best performing images, are usually the the ones that are displayed immediately. Just have a look. What are the patterns? Are these like are these logos? Are these you know, I don't know, like wallpapers. What is this? Or are they very you know emotional content, like people, laughing and stuff like that? So you, you could get inspiration from that. And also there's the opportunity or a possibility. And this is recently added on Unsplash. Uh, you have to click around a few links to, to find it. Um, you can see trends. So there are things trending on Unsplash. Like, for example, I don't know, Cars. Uh, this is a very bad example, but maybe cars are trending right now in Ansplash. So you could go ahead and publish cars. Um, but this also has to be relevant. I mean, it doesn't make sense to publish cars if you're in the South market, so there's no relevance, uh, relevancy. So you people would click on this and see, hey, like, okay, this is a South company, I don't mind. Um, let's let's continue with my research. But if you have something that is closely related to your business, let's say the chatbot, you're posting a chatbot, or maybe like a MacBook Pro on a desk, something that is office related. This could work out quite well, and maybe you have to try out a few things. For us, it did work out very, very fast because there wasn't just, uh, or there was not uh, much content for LinkedIn on Unsplash at that time. Now it's a little different, but uh, one year ago there was this was blank. I mean, this was open playground. People were searching for it. This was an untapped niche, and so I think there are a lot of opportunities out there that are still untouched. <clears throat> They're uploaded more and more images every day, but if you have a good positioning within Unsplash, this is very 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 well performing um i mean o- also over a long time for me personally my personal portfolio with a lot of images i get i don't know, I have 30 million impressions by now oh, well, i started cool. uploading this year and this is kind of crazy and every time or every day i get i don't know five thousand six thousand seven thousand impressions on average and also hundreds of downloads if you have a niche if you find a niche then just publish images this is my best advice find out what works
0: um, and obviously, with with um, visual marketing and Unsplash, it's obviously very high up and high up the funnel. It's just sort of like brand awareness, how do you generally measure the success? So you obviously mentioned impressions, but how do you know that it's actually bringing you customers that are like the right kinds of customers?
1: What I, I have a good story for you, and this is it's it's a, it's a good topic because it is not that easy to measure the performance from Unsplash. So impressions are just impressions. It doesn't give me any. You know, real sense about if this is going to, or if this is working for me, if there are new people signing up. Yeah, you, have, you can measure like the referral list or the, the amount of referrals <clears throat> that you got from Unsplash on, um, um, on Google Analytics. At the same time, I have a good story for you. So I was, um, one day I got a message on LinkedIn from a person. That, that, has found us on Unsplash. And he said, Hey, well, I found your images on Unsplash. I was building like LinkedIn themed images, I was trying to post something on social media and I found analytics. Let's chat. And we, we, chatted and basically this, this was our uh, highest paying customer at that point. He generated 30 to 50 K in revenue. Um, because we, we developed a custom solution for him. And this was, so this was the moment for me. It is, it is not always, um, important to have you know, the, the masses come in from, from, from source, Was this was the, like the, 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 I don't know, the the main touch point for this person where, where this person thought like, Hey, this, this could be something for us. We, ha- I have to get in touch with this person. Um, and so I think you you cannot simply put it in numbers. Um, it, it's not that easy. So I don't know. We don't have a customer acquisition cost here. We don't have a customer lifetime value really for this channel at the same time for, I don't know. I have three to five examples of people, that we're finding us on Unsplash and actually we made good business with.
0: Mm. So the way I used to measure sort of brand awareness at Sendable was like Google keyword searches, So like brand keyword searches. So if they search for Sendable, I would know that brand awareness drove that search, you know, kind of. So if you see your search traffic going up for analytics, it could be because of that, you know, maybe Unsplash performing well. Cool. So I'm keen to go into sort of like the principles uh, that you've used to sort of discover growth tactics and strategies like this one. Um, you obviously made this amazing discovery to help Analytics grow. But how do you generally sort of validate new traction channels? Like, what's, what's your approach?
1: For adding new traction channels, uh, this is a good question, indeed. So what I usually like to do is we have a growth lab. And this growth lab is in Google Sheets. And what we do is, when we have a new idea about something that could work out for us, we input it in there. And we have a pretty simple process that we follow. And this is, we have a critical hypothesis. For example, I don't know <clears throat> We believe that publishing uh, content um, on LinkedIn on a regular basis will, you know, I don't know, generate new users. This is very generic uh, example, but the way we do this is we input the, the idea. We have a critical assumption and then we will define metrics to measure the success of this test. So let's say the amount of impressions of this post or the the amount of um, impressions that we generate within one month of creating uh, content on LinkedIn on a regular basis, um, how many people did sign up? So you have to have something to to measure the success. And this is also true for for Unsplash. I said for Unsplash, it was pretty straightforward because there was no real easy um, way to measure how people, you know, how the customer journey looks like if they just click on it. Have a have a look at the, the, the website, for example, and then go back. Or if they really, you know, sign up, become a user, and also be, a, for example, B two B user, value, a very valuable one. Um, but the, the growth lab is a place for us to, um, you know, fill in new ideas. Uh, we have a hypothesis. We have KPIs that we want to measure, and in the end, we have an output. And this is how we define if this is if this was a success. If this is something we, we, we like to invest more time in, this is this something that really you know, stands out and, and could be another traction channel that we also you know, want to, want to um, implement in our overall strategy?
0: So I assume that the um, sort of unspared strategy or tactic uh, took time to realize its success, right? To get, kind of gather momentum. How much time do you generally spend on each tactic um, or growth hack before moving on to the next one?
1: Mm, this is also a good question. Um, well, It depends. So for SEO, it would be hard to say, I give myself one week to validate if this is going to work. So you need more time. You need at least, I don't know, three to six months to see the first results and to see if this is <clears throat> something you want to focus more. And for example, SEO is a good example. You have to commit at some point. We have to commit. Um, otherwise, you won't see results. If you just um, maybe write two articles and then wait six months, well, this is good luck. Um, I mean, this is really it, it doesn't work. So, for some of these channels, you have to commit, sure. Um, but for, for others, you have maybe one week, two weeks, where you can test stuff, really feel if this is going to work. Let's 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 say influencers, uh, it's a good example. If if your market is capable of, um, you know, if your if your market segment is capable of, um, you know, net market segment, let let's say um, a good example is influencers. Because when you launch a campaign with an influencer, you usually see results immediately. You see, is this going to work or not? And so you can do it just two, two, three times and then draw a conclusion. <clears throat> are we willing to invest more time and money in this channel or not?
0: Uh, what advice would you could sort of give to other founders who are trying to find traction? Like, what sort of mental models should they be using or any practices? Like, obviously, you mentioned your practice now. That they can adopt to help them make discoveries like you did?
1: I think you have to test out various channels. You have to test out various things to see what works. Um for some some channels you have to commit, like SEO. There's no way around. You cannot just simply smoke test it, how we would like to call it. You have to commit. But for others, for Unsplash, let's say. You can just make 10 images, five images, post them on the platform and see if they work. See if you see any result at all, any impressions, any downloads, anything that gives you an indication of this channel being useful for a strategy. And uh, so I, I would advise people to really, to, to try out a few things, but not 50 things at a time. This doesn't make sense as well. So, Maybe let's start with two to three things that are really, where <clears throat> really you think they are critical. They they can work pretty well. And so what I do with the growth flap all the time is these critical hypotheses. I will I will score them based on the relevancy. Let's say um, we have the the score or the critical assumption list is is based on how likely is it that this assumption is wrong, and at the same time the impact on the business model if this assumption should be wrong. Okay, and so these these two things. We, um, I personally use to validate what is the most critical one to, um, to to get started with, and then prioritize prioritize them and get started.
0: Um, I'm curious, is this model that you use is it like a spreadsheet or is it like a tool that you've built? And is it, is it available for other founders to use?
1: I mean, I could go ahead and also, or I, I could go ahead and, and share the Growth Lab that I've built for um, basically the, the the listeners of this podcast. Uh, yes, it's a spreadsheet. It's in Google
0: Sheets. I mean, if you're willing to, maybe we can include that in the show notes afterwards. I think it would be really, really useful to see how you how you go about how you go about doing it. Sure. Absolutely. Um so before we go, we obviously have a lot of early stage founders who listen to the show um who want to reach out to you for advice on growth hacking and uh helping them grow their businesses. Where's the best place for them to reach you online?
1: Just like Tim Schmidbor on LinkedIn, just send me a message and I will respond.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us today, Tim, and uh see you again soon.
1: Thank you very much, Kevin, for the invitation, and uh, it was a pleasure.